Welcome to the Passion Fit Coaching Podcast. This podcast is hosted by my husband, Tom Ward, and it is produced and directed by professional athlete Lydia Dant. Tom is our Passion Fit Coaching Strategy... No, what are you again? What are you you actually? Coaching Strategy Creator. So whilst we're trying to figure out the finer details of what Tom's title really means, sit back and enjoy the podcast. What's been outside your comfort zone really means and the benefit of spending time there. Okay, so welcome to episode 28. Episode 28. Of the Passion Fit Coaching Podcast. Yep. So Lids, this is something we were talking about the other day, wasn't it? Yeah, when we're out on our um, long gravel ride. Yeah, so you, you cho- you've chosen the, the sort of I'm on a schedule the of topics I we're have. going to discuss over the coming weeks. And this was something we were talking about during our gravel ride. Yeah. It came about because we were talking about Christmas Day. Yes, we were. And what we'd chosen to do on Christmas Day, and a yep. lot of our athletes have chosen to do, and, and some other people's perception of our choice around yep. Christmas Day. And we were sort of talking about what we think, the way that people use the word comfort zone and outside your comfort zone, and what actually it probably should mean, versus what people's perception yeah. means. And um, and then we got on to talking about neuroplasticity we did. as well, didn't we? Now, we're going to try and talk about both of these things today. the com- A comfort zone, the concept of comfort zone, and also a bit around neuroplasticity. Just a bit of a um, sort of caveat. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Um, we're not Huberman. No, we are or not. Or Alan Watkins. No. Um, but we'll so so we're not we're not professing to be a professor <laughs> of neuro of, of neurology or neuroscience or anything like that. Uh, but um, we you know we'll do our best to try to talk about how we perceive this um, and how we think about it in a way that helps us. Yes. Yeah. So um, this is your topic. Yeah. Here we go. Do you want to start? Yeah. So I think to give it some. Oh, right, straight in. Yeah, straight in. <laughs> I'm like finding my little flow of these at the moment, yeah, you aren't are. I? Um, uh, so we were talking about Christmas morning. So on Christmas morning, I'd organised a Zwift meetup for anyone to join for us to go up Ventop together as a fun way, I say fun, fun way to start the day is fun. Um, and we were talking about how for us and actually for a lot of the other athletes that we had join us on it, that doing that was more in our comfort zone than it would have been to have slept that morning or to have done something different and well probably different not different but a little bit more Christmassy orientated as such and then we were talking about generally wider sort of change and how your comfort zone can also change but how you have to choose to make that change and it like almost rewire those paths of resistance yeah of like the discomfort you can experience from a change and how it can become a less um, uncomfortable comfort, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that's right. So what we were talking about was you know, people, some people that aren't part of our sort of passion fit journey heard, found out that we'd got up early to do this session on Christmas Day. You know, so people message us say, oh, you know, uh, Merry Christmas, you know, hopefully enjoying the day after. And I sort of said, went back and said, you know, actually, no, we've we've been coaching since sort of, you know, quarter six this morning. Yeah. Um, and they were like, oh my God, you're so disciplined. You're so hardcore, you know. Um, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that, all that kind of thing. And I thought, do you know what? The weird thing from my perspective, or our perspective, yeah. is that it, it doesn't really feel like discipline. 
No, it doesn't. Because for us, doing something like that is so enjoyable um, and in a lot of ways presents an element of calm to yeah. our journey that it isn't a challenge. It isn't something we have to work hard to make happen because we um, uh, we enjoy doing it. Yeah. So, of course, you know, yeah, yes. I mean, I, you know, my, my, like I said before, my alarm goes off at five o'clock in the morning and I'm not thinking, oh, great, you know, the, the, the dog's toilet walk at five o'clock in the morning is my favourite fav- <laughs> thing in the winter. But I'm still excited to get up because I'm getting up to do something I really, really enjoy doing. Yeah. I really enjoy doing the session. I really enjoy coaching the session. I really enjoy seeing the benefit that other people get from that. And you know, one of the things that can be really easy for us to do is that we can find that... Um, we, uh, you know, we're perceived sometimes as being, you know, hardcore, you know, athletes. And actually, for us, our, com- our outside our comfort zone is in some ways the opposite. Yeah, it is. outside our comfort zone would have been sleeping in. It would have been, yeah. Getting up, spending time with our families. Yeah. Oh, sorry, families. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think your mum does now and then. Yeah, my mum. Doing her indoor bike sessions. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, you know, so. The, problem, the thing is, everyone's version of a comfort zone is different and everybody's version of being outside their comfort zone is different. Yeah. And the problem is, it's often often we assume that a person's comfort zone or being outside their comfort zone is the same as what it means to us. Yes. Which it isn't. No, not at all. And so, and what happens is sometimes as athletes, we feel sort of admired and validated by the general population because the general population don't do as much exercise and training as us. No, they don't. And they know they don't. Yeah. And they know that they probably should do more. Most people know they probably should do more. So when they look at us, they think we're some kind of, you know, exercise heroes because we've got, the, in their eyes, we have the discipline to get up early in the morning and train. Yeah. But of course, the argument is, is it really discipline if it's something that you would rather be doing than something else? And actually, when it comes to being, say, an athlete who enjoys the things that we enjoy doing, you know, obviously there's the relatedness piece, the connectivity piece about being part of something, you know, because even though you and I aren't particularly socially skilled, yeah, would be fair to say. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> um, and we have a sort of a, a limited number of people coins every day. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, we still enjoy being part of something. 100%. So we enjoy going to swimming with the other athletes. We enjoy yeah. being on the virtual sessions with the other athletes. Yeah, yeah, big time. And so, so there's a lot of elements, there's a lot of things about those sessions that are great for us and, you know, they help us feel content, calm, fulfilled, all these things. Um, but other people's perception is that we're really disciplined because we're doing something that to them would be really, really hard for them to find the motivation to do. Yeah. So we were talking about, about what being outside your comfort zone really is and... You know, a lot of people that are very active, you know, do lots of, you know, they might do 10Ks, half marathons, part run every week, um, do lots of exercise, go to spin classes, go to circuit training, do CrossFit, um, do this, what's this new thing, High Rocks? High Rocks, High Rocks. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, whatever it is that they might do, they might be part of a hockey club or a rugby club, whatever it is. And, you know, um, they, you know, the, the, the perception is that... Um, you know, they're, they're, that what they're doing is, is really disciplined and outside of their comfort zone and they're really bettering themselves. But the argument is, are they? Exactly. They are, but are they really challenging themselves to do something? So, you know, if, you're, if you love going out for a two-hour run mm. and two-hour run is your 
your place where you can find peace and contentment and fulfillment, then that's not outside your comfort zone, is it? No, that's well within it. You know, that's well with, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, if you enjoy pushing yourself hard in a training session, that's not outside your comfort zone. No. So what we were discussing is what is outside your comfort zone? What, what, and how do people need to change their perception of this so that they can look for opportunities? Because what we were discussing was the fact that the problem is when you stay in your comfort zone all the time, your opportunities for growth and development arguably become more limited. Yeah, they do. Because you're defaulting to something you find psychologically easy to do. It's the path of least resistance. It is, yeah. psychologically. Yeah. So even though physically it might be high resistance, yeah, like yeah. say we did a swim set this morning. We did. It's pretty tough going, wasn't it, in yeah. places. But to us, that physical exertion is psychologically comforting. Yes. So are we really offering ourselves an opportunity for development by continuing to do things that we find reassuring and comforting. So that was what we were talking about. And that neuroplasticity piece, because this was the bit you raised. Yeah. This is maybe something that I'm not, maybe, go on, sooner and explain, because I maybe not, don't understand this maybe well, as well as you. basically like, um, thinking about sort of like the mindset of the brain as something that is plastic. So it can change. You're not set. It's not just like a, like, well, I know rocks and erosion. I won't get onto geography jokes, but like, there's the opportunity. <laughs> are I know, I know, are I know, there I know. any geography jokes? Is that like. Yeah, that yeah, get ready. Geology rocks. <laughs> <laughs> you laughed. You just laughed. <laughs> I don't know. I laughed out of sympathy. Uh, yeah, so. well, either way, let's. Anyway, let's we're talking on. about I'll plastic brains. I'll save that for another day. Yeah, so. So basically that we're not we're not fixed and I think we've got this perception of we're like people say oh they're they're set in their ways they're fixed in that that way of like living or being and that for me is it is a choice because we can change it we can choose our our mm. thoughts our cognitive processes and like a lot of the work that we've been doing like like today was a brilliant example for this for me of how I've managed to choose to think in a different way so situations which do put me outside of my comfort zone become less stressful, mm. but I've then increased the remit of my comfort zone, you could say. So I'll give you an example. So this morning I got up, ready to go for swimming. Um, I like being at swimming early. I am the one who's there probably like a good five to ten minutes before the gym opens. Yeah. So I just like having time. And um, the main roads out from Tewkesbury where I live were both flooded. And Tewkesbury becomes an island when yeah, it does, like this pretty much. It's right yeah. next to the seven, and it is really high at the moment. See water references, and um, all the main roads out were flooded. I was trying to work through in my head okay, well, what are the other routes? What are the other options of how I can get swimming? Is it even safe for me still to try and, and do that mm. and just try and reframe? Okay, what do I need to do first? And I was like, okay, well, just stop and think. First, I need to communicate that I'm probably going to be late just so that it's not causing with the other people I'm not saying they're waiting for me but like they know where I am so they're not then worried and thinking actually where is Liz because they know that I'm usually there pretty early mm. then it was like okay right what are the options for we the wouldn't just to clarify we wouldn't have been that worried but well you might have been I'll behave <laughs> well Michelle Jackson was she was like was she Liz, right. usually like so on time yeah. I was like I oh, know but anyway so I was like okay right I need to then find out another route just to make sure I can get out and then I'm going to be late and that's that and accept it but that sort of thing, I know to most people that probably sounds quite trivial, mm. but like a few, it's probably best, this is around lockdown time actually, so probably two years ago, mm. one of the main roads um, right next to the gym was shut. And I could not, I got into such a fluster because I was mm. going to be late. 
I didn't re- I couldn't work through the the geography of where I was in my head to um like replan my route and get to the mm. car park and little things like that and I got to the swim and I was in an did absolute... you just say park park I don't know I I might have, in my head I did but I don't know what then comes out of my mouth I think a lot of things and then words come out and I don't really know I haven't my... said park arc since I was six <laughs> my head thinks too fast for my mouth that's the problem um, and I was in a right state like my inner state was all over the place I was stressed my palate levels were like super high and then so this I was like but that wasn't acceptable behaviour like, well, well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see what you. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. What I'm saying. But today, yeah. my reaction to that situation, through mm. choosing to change mm. my cognitive pathways and processes and thoughts when a situation like that happens again, was totally different. Like, yeah, it's, but it's not just that, is it? Because you've been doing a lot of practice around think trying to think differently anyway yeah. haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think one of the things that's interesting is obviously you know how I would perceive that situation if it occurred now compared to two years ago yeah you know because you know, obviously we've discovered you know we've obviously gone through the process of understanding your asd yeah and we um this isn't something that we were aware of previously no. um now this is good and bad from a neuroplasticity point of view isn't yeah. it because the good part i suppose was that because we didn't have any objective assessment of a reason to exempt you from the expectations we might have of, yeah. in your behaviours. We pushed you quite hard. Yes. Now, this is this is an interesting one, isn't it? This because I've talked to people about this before. Because from my perspective as a coach, had I have known about your autism mm. from an objective perspective, a pro- professionally assessed perspective, three or four years ago, some of the challenges that I had presented to you and yeah. my deliberate ex- higher expectations of you and your behavior may not have manifested i may not have had them i yeah. might have taken a step back eased off yeah and yeah. not create as much expectation and pressure and because of from a safeguarding point of view i might not have felt it was appropriate yeah. i might not have felt that i had the professional remit to do that because i didn't understand you know i'm not professionally placed to you know um proactively guide you around how you work through your autism the challenges your autism brings those kinds of things and you know but the paradox paradox irony i don't know is that by by creating those high expectations and some of that pressure it actually did help you develop quite considerably Mm. and this is a tricky one isn't it because the reality is that I, def- I mean, I, I can tell you, I definitely wouldn't have pushed you and had those expectations had I have known more about your autism. Yeah. Because I would have been, if I'm honest, afraid to. Yeah. I and lacking that. confidence that um, it was the right thing to do. Um, and I, also, I wouldn't have had someone to ask. Yeah, but-, but on the flip side, I also might have, if I'd have known about it sooner and felt those expectations were being put on me, played that card in a different way. Yeah, you may. Instead and, of challenging and, myself. Yeah. To, to like to yeah. change I, I, I don't know tell me if this is unfair I'd say four years ago you were sitting much more in a victim mentality than a oh big time a survivor or high functioning mentality yeah. weren't you yeah yeah um, and um, you know I that was obviously one of the and of course it, it may we don't know because we don't know as you the word you use is we don't know the counterfactual yeah. but it may have been that where you were defaulting a bit to being a victim had you have known about your autism yeah. more objectively, had I have known about it, you might have been de- inclined when under pressure 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To 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 play. To, it's the, maybe the wrong choice of well, phrase, like but play that victim card with me to get me to step back. Yeah. yeah, and I might have been afraid and stepped back. Yeah, and the reality was actually that this is about comfort zone again, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. By forcing you out of that, like really to some extent, forcing you out of that comfort zone. Because yeah. I've been pretty hard with you. I mean, yeah. We have an odd relationship in terms of the way we speak to each other, don't we, Lauren? It gets quite upset sometimes because we have these like <laughs> blazing arguments, and then uh, then it'll be like, and then you'll be like, "So do you want some eggs?" And <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, how like, can they?" I just seen that. Is that yeah. Like... How can they go from that to just then normal in the space of a few seconds? But anyway, let's not go there. So I've, I've lost where I was. So yeah. So you know, I'm pretty hard with you. You yeah. know, we're quite hard with each other about things, we aren't we? We've contracted about Yeah, we have. Well. And we speak to ourselves that way, don't we? That's kind yeah. of our default communication style anyway. And it's yeah. fortunate that we both find that quite easy. In fact, actually, easier. it's easier for both of us. And so, but we've had some really challenging, I've had some really, really tough conversations with you that have pushed you really hard to come out of your comfort zone. And, you know, maybe arguably professionals who understand neurodiversity more might have said, may say to me, no, you were too tough. But the reality is we are where we are. Exactly. And we've progressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to speak for you. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah? Without that, would we be where we are? No. No. Are you traumatised? No. I'm actually probably... Oh, I'm That's happy. what trauma victims say. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I was going to say, I'm actually like feeling happier and more content than I have. Okay. All right, so there you go. So, yeah. so it's a weird scenario, isn't it? Okay, so by being... Com- for me, being comfortable to challenge you to be outside your comfort zone, and you know, it wasn't say I was always comfortable with it because you never like seeing someone in any kind of distress, even if you think that little bit of distress is going to be a value to them. Um, you've been on a journey that's put you in a place where you're able to cope with things that you wouldn't weren't able to cope with once upon a time. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and also caused me a lot more distress. Yeah more frequently than the short-term yeah. stress of being challenged yeah. did as well. Yeah. Now, I just want to go back to the bit, the words you used. One of the things I think is really important to understand is that, because you used the word unacceptable about the way you reacted last time, there were some road closures and floods, yeah? yeah? And now, I, I get your point. The point is that actually it needs to be better because you need to be in a state of at least reasonable function, if not high function, yeah? yeah? But the reality is this. We now know a little bit more that your, your autism... Um, can make things like that that other people might look at and go, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? <laughs> it's not that hard. Just the find a different place, route. Just yeah. Park somewhere else. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, you know, for you, that's much more challenging is, yeah. for you to work through. But then, of course, there are other things that you're exceptionally good at relative to the general population because of the way that your mind works. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't worked out what they are yet. Oh, behave. <laughs> no, but we know there's a lot of things that so you I think ex- many people are disappointed when they get to end of an Ironman. No, <laughs> exactly. So I think that, you know, there are a lot of things that you do exceptionally well. And of course, part of our journey now is about understanding, you know, that, isn't it? it yeah? Yes. Still working on the things that you find difficult yeah. to do. Oh, yeah. But doing it in the right way mm-hmm. and at an appropriate pace. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't always know what the right way is. We have trial and error a bit, don't yeah. we? But then also really looking for ways to unlock the things that you're exceptionally good at. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously we have done some of those things, yes. haven't we? And we've changed a lot of the things that we do around your training, yep. your nutrition processes, all these things to to adjust to what we've started to learn about your journey. Yeah. So really interesting process for you in terms of how being outside your comfort zone, maybe more than perhaps we would have done if we'd known a bit more, but 
in, in hindsight, it's been a good thing, has. has led to a change in the way that you can process the information that you're receiving and what you do then do with that information, hasn't it? Yeah, and today yeah. was a good example of that. Yeah, really good example. Yeah. Okay. So this is the really important thing about comfort zone, isn't it? Your comfort zone is about continuing to challenge yourself to do things that you do. So just because somebody says, oh my God, you're amazing because you can do this, just because they can't, doesn't mean that you're awesomely outside a comfort zone. In fact, it might mean the opposite. Exactly. And you're not going to develop that. You're not going to change the way that you think and the way that you behave if you constantly stay in your comfort zone. No, and it's also realising that it's not going to be just a switch you can flick. I think that's the the other thing. Is a lot of people, you have to consciously work on that process. It's not just, oh, I'm going to... It's like when people start to... Go, go on like the, the fitness journey don't they yeah and they give well, they, up this quite time of year especially like, this so if you're year. listening to this a different day today's the fourth of jam it is um and even today the gym was busier than it usually is yeah but for a lot of people it's going through that initial comfort <clears> they give up too early because there's always going to be little like steps that get yes. in the way aren't they Blockers. they expect too much too yeah. soon don't they yeah um and it is it i know you come back to water but it is then finding like another path of resistance it's like slowly you erode away at things yeah and eventually you manage to like forge your way through yeah. and like ingrain that change in thought process thinking yeah. pattern and then behavior yeah. but it doesn't just happen by thinking right that's it i'm gonna i'm gonna change yeah. that so incrementally changing what you can at a pace that works for exactly. you but also not too slow a pace yeah you still have to challenge yourself exactly. don't you because you, 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 you can't change the way something functions without stressing it a bit yeah you've got to you've got to coming outside of your comfort zone is, is about creating the small amount of stress yeah because you need stress to adapt yeah you can't adapt without stress the mind and the body are the same like any neuroscientists out there if I'm getting that wrong <laughs> well it's kind of like training Let me know, process, but yeah, isn't it yeah you've got to put your body under a little bit yeah. of stress yeah to continue yeah. improve like that level of fitness over time and i'd like to think one thing that you and i are really good at and a lot of people in our community in the passion fit community are really good at doing is recognizing the importance of that mm. and embracing that stress in the right way to the right amount to, to help them develop and grow yeah yeah and that comes down to um perception perspective quite a lot yeah it's like on this week has been like the ultimate inner state management test for me like on um on Tuesday. So we just explain what we mean by inner states. Yeah, inner states something you refer to a lot, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. So f- f- it's really it's a really interesting video for you to watch. Alan Watkins inner state model. You can Google it. It'll come up on YouTube as a TED talk. Um, it's his it's his model. It's fantastic, and he explains the neuroscience behind how data streams, so everything around you, you know, noise, so noise, temperature, light, uh, people. Physical, physiological state, all these things are data streams and how that feeds through to emotions, feelings, thinking, um, and then your behaviours, your actions and your outcomes. It's a great, great model. Um, and, um, you know, uh, he's obviously extremely well-renowned neuroscientist and uh, uh, it's worth watching. So you refer to inner state quite a lot because obviously it's something you work really hard on because yeah. you're, you know, for you, that can fluctuate quite a bit. Uh, yes. Over quite short periods of time, <laughs> quite a lot. Some of that's linked to your autism, yeah. And some of it's just you, yeah. Well, exactly. Both of those two things are you, actually. Aren't so it's they? just me. It's just you, basically. But I know that the emotional ranges and extremes I can feel are probably quite um, well large, aren't they? It can be. Well, that's your coach. I would say that I I would agree with that. Yes, because obviously, 
the person that probably experiences those the most. Everything is suddenly a write-off and yeah. yeah. But what I'm trying to do is to like get balance and perspective with how I assess these moments. Yeah. So like on Tuesday, I um I had a we went swimming as we normally do on a Tuesday and I had absolutely nothing in the tank. No. And it was safe to say you you start you were laughing me over. Largely my fault. It is because slightly missed. Well, no, it's, it's joint joint responsibility for that one. We went slightly longer on our run than we probably should have on Monday. We made some bad training decisions yeah. on Monday, didn't we? That we thought yeah, were right at the time, Monday. but in hindsight, they weren't the right ones. Yeah. But it's it's, it's okay. And um, so on Tuesday, the knock on for that for me on the swim was quite huge. Mm. Um, and I I didn't throw my toys out of the pram. I, which no. I would have historically, I'd have been well, like, you didn't I, just, I'd historically, you didn't just throw them out of the pram, you threw them at me normally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to think, what the heck are these guys up to? Yeah. <laughs> like, blazing rounds, scrambled eggs. True though. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all fun, isn't it? Um, but I would have, like, absolutely probably flipped a lid about it mm. and, like, probably gone into blame mode about why did we, like, make the decisions, blame myself on that one. Mm. Um, and, I was actually just flipped it on his head and be like, well, it's really fortunate that I was able to go and run like I was yesterday mm. and like I'm still able to swim today and yeah. totally flipped it on his head of like, well, being feeling this tired is a privileged position to be in mm. rather than I'm really cheesed off because I'm so tired and I've made all of these mistakes. It's yes. like, well, I'm just grateful that I could do those things. Yes. And so the world isn't going to end. No, exactly. And it's like, the session was harder like, than you expected. Yesterday, yeah. again, this is like, this has literally been like three days in a row. Everything comes in threes, doesn't it? Like the bike session we did yesterday, mm. again, like I had nothing in my legs. They were, they were gone. They were shot. Like, and I was like, mm, doesn't really matter, does it? Like, manage the session. Yeah, that's how I spend most of my time. <laughs> yeah, this is like, <laughs> rare for me to feel like yeah so i'm like well it it doesn't matter i don't i had to scale the session down by like two two intensity zones essentially um i didn't run as well and i didn't get stressed by it no i was like well that's all right like it's not like i've not i have missed opportunities and this is the thing what i've often done is in these situations i've then missed opportunities because i've gone to self-sabotage yeah and my whole day would have been totally railroaded well, that, that's a really important point isn't it because of course part of the reason the one you know there's lots of reasons but one of the other reasons that you've been able to get better perspective on this is because your fundamental underlying goal setting is in the yes, right place it is and we've actually put a bit of content out about this over the last couple of days around goal setting yeah. on our infinite evolution um social media and some of it's feeding through to passion fit um and um that's on LinkedIn and on Instagram and on Facebook actually I'm so, oh, I'm so social so media social I'm, media, I'm so social media um, and I really hate LinkedIn in fact I hate all social media but LinkedIn is like gosh Bruno Central isn't it you know oh yeah Bruno Sycophant Central anyway where was I um, so we, yeah goal setting so <laughs> the, the really important piece about this is that your underlying goals are right and of course one of the things that you probably know again if you listen to what we talk about is that even as a professional athlete, you're you're you know you have got performance and outcome goals, race goals. In fact, they're written on the mirror in front of your bike. It's in front of us now, isn't it? Yeah, we can see them. Um, because you have to have some sort of reverse engineering process for the training that you do, and some sort of tactical approach to racing, etc. But fundamentally, the goal really is just about being the highest functioning version of yourself every day, in line with the journey that you're on. Yes. And so, of course. 
what that means is when things don't go so well in training, you don't panic because you know that ultimately, you know, we're going to be talking about what the highest functioning version of you was going to is in relation to your journey rather than, you know, all of a sudden, oh my God, you know, am I going to be ready for my race in five months time? Yeah, because I didn't hit one power number on the set. So therefore, you know that my expectation of you will be that you will be tired sometimes and things won't go the the way you want them to go. And what I'm looking for is my my, my judgment of accomplishment or um, effectiveness from you as an athlete and as a person is how you react to that situation, the decisions you make, what you do during that situation and then after. Yeah. So this is really, really important because this is one of the biggest problems we see and we're speaking to a lot we, we speak to a lot of people at this time of year about coaching lots of people start talking to us about coaching for 2024 and one of the biggest concerns i have is that everybody is they get to january and they start thinking about races yeah they start thinking about race goals deadlines timelines all these sorts of things and for me you know the way that we coach is not about that it's about okay it's an ongoing process yeah races fall into that process of course they do but ultimately, the process is about being that high-functioning version of you. And your goals should start when that's right for you to get onto that journey. Not because it's the new year. Not because you've got a timeline to a race you want to work towards. Because you've decided that developing yourself is important. And that's what you want to do. And I can tell you, I can guarantee you, that all of the kind of stress and pressure that you feel about races, about fitness, about good sessions and bad sessions will go away if you adopt an approach of being the most high-functioning version of yourself you can be. It's completely liberating. Because when a session goes bad, which is inevitable... Well, yeah. You know, physiologically. Yeah. You will not find yourself in that pit of despair because you'll recognise that that's going to happen. In fact, it probably will happen around about a third of the sessions that you do. There's the rule of thirds. A third of the sessions will go worse than expected. A third will go as expected. And a third will go better than expected. And that's true of life. Same with days. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, one day will go as expected, another day might go worse, another day go better. And high and high function is about how you react to those days or those sessions. Um, it's about the behaviours you choose, the attitude you choose, the react the way that you react. And you know, in your situation is of course you first of all you adapt, you you made sure that you didn't allow the way you were feeling to affect you emotionally. Yes. That was the first thing that you made sure you did. The second thing you did is you made sure that you made an assessment of what you thought the session needed to look like for you. So you still did the same session structure as me. Yeah. You're like, right, okay, how do I need to adapt my intensity here to match how I'm feeling today? Yeah. If that means I'm going to get lapped, I get lapped. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that that's it. Right. And I, and I knew that you'd made that decision because I was lapping you when I wouldn't normally. And I, as, as a coach, instead of me thinking oh, you know, this isn't good because I'm lapping her. Yes. This, this is the other important thing, coaches. You know, I'm not I'm not there going, oh, what's she doing? I'm lapping her. I'm thinking, oh, that's probably a good decision, that, because she looks a bit tired. She's clearly not on it today. I'm pleased to see that she's eased it off and I'm lapping her. And how many of you that are coaches would be able to take that position with mm. your athletes? And how many of your coaches would know that that's the position you take? Because that's the other thing. You knew that that's how I would react to that decision that you'd made yeah no that's not always the case sometimes i've challenged you yeah sometimes you have and we even had this conversation yesterday as well yeah making sure i was like confident that i was feeling like i was feeling and i wasn't just allowing myself to perceive that i was feeling a different way yes that's what we did yeah yeah so that was the next thing making the decisions about how you were going to execute the session and then it was about what you did afterwards or during 
did you take nutrition on? Because of course that could have been, you knew that could have been a contributing factor. Yep. So you took you know a solid amount of nutrition during the swim. Six, yeah, sixty grams. Sixty grams, and then the second decision you made was to get straight on to your nutritionist, yep. um, to Jules at Total Endurance Nutrition to say, right, this is how I felt today. This is what I've been in the last few days. Do we need to have a look at it? And then you and she have made some decisions about yep. what you're going to do differently. You did something differently again today. I did. We, you asked me if we could swim the set this morning in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. You actually said to me at one point, did I want to drop the turnaround so it worked better for me? And I said no, because I was able to still adjust my sets. So we arrived to find that middle ground. Yeah. And you've made, it's about those decisions, isn't it? And then how you plan the next few days. You went home earlier yesterday. I did. To get a bit more rest. Yeah. You're doing the same again today. I am. You got my mum to wash your car yesterday. Well, I didn't get her to. <laughs> it was you, a coincidental you, timing. You, you um, I must have influenced her to feel like she should. <laughs> She's gone soft, hasn't she? She has gone so soft. It's quite funny. Since <laughs> since Lydia's ASD diagnosis, autism diagnosis, because my mum works in education. My mum's 75, but she worked in education. She worked in what was at the time known as a special unit in the school for a little while as well. Um, you know, she and she's helped, she supported you quite a lot oh, with the process. Yeah. But it's funny, the second that you had your diagnosis, she suddenly um gone soft, hadn't she? Yeah, she she was worried about the Christmas lights. <laughs> she, she? she bought me a little like um sofa, a bed thing for the sofa. A bed seat thing, yeah. didn't she? Yeah. Um as you washed your car yesterday. She your car. It's quite funny actually. So uh, and she doesn't listen to the podcast, so we can joke about her all we like. So um that's that's a that's a pence for not listen to our podcast. Yes. So. But she hasn't got time, has she? She's very She's busy. She's busier than I am. She is very busy, yeah. So, so you know, this is why this process of being, high, you know, of working towards being a high-functioning version of yourself is so important because it completely changes the way that you react to and feel about your your journey. It's not difficult. It's not a simple idea. It's not a simple, complicated concept, but it works really effectively and it works for all aspects of your life. And then, of course, this comes back to our comfort zone piece. Yes. Because, of course, being a high-function version of yourself is not defaulting to your... Comfort zone. So the, this is one of the... People think, oh, you know, I see it all the time. You know, I go running every day. Look how high-functioning Look how high functioning I am. You know, um, look how, how, how tough I am because I go running every morning. But not really. If you love running and if doing that makes you feel content and fulfilled then you're not really out of your comfort zone, are you? In fact, if anything, you're probably just creating loads of additional risk doing something you enjoy doing, but you probably shouldn't be running every day. Well, yeah. Right? So are you a high-functioning version of yourself? I'd say probably not. In fact, if anything, you're risking being... You're probably getting into that kind of self-sabotage category. Yeah? Yeah, There's no resilience in getting up and running every day if it's an obsessive behaviour. Yeah. There's nothing nothing heroic or high-functioning about obsessive behaviour. You know, that's not high function at all. That's self-sabotage. Yeah. And of course, that's one of the things we as athletes who enjoy exercise have to really watch out for. Massively so. Don't we? Yeah. So on Monday, for example, when we got our training wrong and we ended up more fatigued, that wasn't self-sabotage. That was stupidity. That was just bad so planning. It wasn't, yeah. We, it do, wa- we do it every January. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was self-sabotage in a way, but it wasn't driven by the wrong thing. It was just, no. we made a... Oversight, a distance. Yeah, we just, an duration. oversight on some data and then... Because of where we were, other than ringing Lauren to pick us up, we yeah, but she wouldn't have been happy. So it was a mistake, but the mistake and self sabotage are not the same thing. But it was then what we did about it to resolve. Yeah. It. But I think the big thing for me this week, and this like does link back up to the comfort zones piece. Yeah. 
is how this we could have felt versus how it's felt. Yeah. If I hadn't of firstly challenged myself and like had the awareness yeah. around making a conscious choice to change my behaviours. Yeah. Because my comfort zone in so many different aspects this week would have mm. been to have had a bit of a meltdown. Mm. That would have been the easier thing for me to default to. Because it's Christmas, basically. Because it's Christmas. Because it's Christmas week or because of the training. No, because of the no, because of the training and how I felt. Yeah. It'd have been easier for me to have gone into a total child state about it all. Mm. Um, let it spiral. But you would have done yeah, exactly. A few years ago. Yeah. yeah. I'd have self sabotaged, let it perpetuate instead of just being like I was able to just to shrug it off. Yeah. And assess and take actions. Um, remain in an adult transactional state yeah. and then that helps the communication that with we, yourself and yeah, me exactly. not just with me yep. you remain in that adult state with yourself that's yep. really important isn't it yeah, yeah? which people um, don't do well is able to then communicate properly with you yeah or even like the feedback that I gave on the group yesterday on the end of the virtual session was really valuable I felt mm. in terms of how I did that so I was mm. able to engage with other people in our community better as well yeah um and for me, being able to do all of those things, knowing how they could have gone and how it would have felt, has left me feeling pretty good about the week. Mm, mm. Um, like, I'm not here thinking, oh, do you know what, I've really messed that up. I'm going to have to work out how to like rectify that situation now. Mm. Or just feeling drained because I drain myself through like the emotional stress I'd have caused myself. Mm, mm. I'm actually feeling really good. I know that I am taking the actions I need to to get myself back on track. Yeah. But having not, if I'd never challenged, had the challenge or challenged myself to make those changes, then I wouldn't have um, been yeah. feeling like this right now. Yeah. And of course, go, going back to what we talked about last week helps, doesn't it? So understanding, yeah. having clear, a clear sense of identity is important because it understands what, it helps you understand what high functioning looks like. And when you're thinking about working outside your comfort zone on your journey, whether it be physically or mentally, whatever it might be, um, you understand what is a fair expectation now. Yeah. Where that identity piece has been resolved a little bit more for you, and so do I. Yes. Because some things that you find harder, you know, you're like, okay, I'm happy to try that, but I need to be fair about my expectation of how well that's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. A really, really weird example of this is we had a conversation on our run, didn't we, on Monday about something, oh, and you yes. asked me to carry on. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so... so my background this is good, actually is it okay well, yeah because it right. is it is again around that choice of change yeah so you decided so basically we, we when we do our run we run around the airport the Chel- at Cheltenham there's an airport we do a lap a loop that takes us around it and um, my background is uh, is in mathematics and um, a bit of aerodynamics and a long time ago but my background's in that and um, we were talking about aeroplanes yeah because you sort of had a photo by one yeah, yeah we did. Well, yes, yeah, so we, we stopped at, uh, at Safran, didn't we, and looked yeah. at the landing gear because they've got a landing gear thing in their front driveway now, and it's pretty cool. So we, we then started talking about aeroplanes, and we talked about lift. We were talking about lift, and yes, you asked a question. Yeah, how? Yeah, basically about you know fundamentally, for example, could a could a light enough aircraft take off stationary if um, the headwind was strong enough? That kind of thing. Yeah. And, you said, well, yes. What did you say? Jump jets can. You're missing the point. But anyway, we were talking about the concept of lift. Then we started talking about the concept, you know, we were talking about the concept of swerve on balls and pressure differentials, wakes, uh, trip strips, that kind of thing. Lots of different things that were all like interconnected to each other. And um, 
you know, you, you found it really hard, didn't you? I found it really hard yeah, to Conceptually, it. Yeah. those concepts, those concepts around physics and aerodynamics and fluid dynamics were really difficult for you yep. to visualise. To me, they're really, really easy. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, obviously I studied it, which helps, but also I found it quite easy to study. Um, and in fact, it was my choice of basically my, my project, my dissertation in my degree was around the flight of balls in sport. Um, and um, again, like a long time ago, like 1997. So, yeah, a very long time ago. Oh, six. You, were you? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's bad. Anyway, so um, uh, it was around the flight balls of sport. And so, of course, I've got a good understanding of this. I'm not sure that I understand the actual, uh, you know, the really deep mathematics around it, but the conceptual ideas are quite easy to, cut, to, to, to perceive. And you find it, you were finding it really, really hard, weren't you? Yeah, and I was. I was explaining it to you, and even after explaining it to you, you were still finding it difficult. Yeah. But you asked me to carry on. I did. Um, because you wanted to, because of course the only way to, to, to adapt and change the way that you process and think about things and understand things is to do things that you don't find so easy. Yeah. yeah? It would have been really easy for me yeah. to say, look, can we just keep running and just I just need to concentrate yeah. on, on my run? Yeah. Because running is, that is my comfort zone. Mm. Rather than actually, what I was really trying to do was, because I find it really hard to visualise those sorts of things, is make sure I was actually listening and not just firstly switching off and just nodding and agreeing. Yes, because when it's difficult to understand, we can often just poo-poo it straight away, yeah. can't we? I do that when it comes to using Excel <laughs> or cooking. Yeah. yeah. So I was trying to make sure, okay, right, don't don't switch off and just nod and mm. just kind of go through, go through the motions on yeah. this one and just like act like I'm there, but I'm not. It was, all right, well, properly, properly listen. Yeah. Try and work out how to think about it in my head yeah. so I can try and understand it. So if someone yeah. asked me, I wouldn't just be regurgitating information because yeah. that's quite important. It's like, could I actually explain what what I'm being yeah. told and apply it um, and also just keep calm and also focus on my run whilst I'm doing that because yeah. I thought of it the other way as well it's like something I struggle with something I want to change this is also really good practice because this comes back to like you're really good in the pool of calculating your swim split times and pace really quickly yes and I'm not as savvy at that but the, I was like remembering with this thing where we're talking about like lift and the other like times in the pool where I haven't necessarily got my splits quite bang on with calculations like it, my default is to get flustered by that sort of thing, and then I'll switch off. And I said, like, but I need yeah. to challenge. And my myself. default, particularly prior to knowing more about your ASD, the autism was to get frustrated with you. Yeah. Which I don't as much now. Yeah. It's been it's been a useful exercise for me to understand more about your neurodiversity because it helps me to make better judgments about what I expect of you. Yeah. Yeah. But equally, I didn't want to just let myself off the hook yeah. with it because. It's a really good yeah. skill to have. Because we shouldn't so, laugh about it, but you find sometimes the sim like. It, are you going to talk about the was, Christmas Day skirting board? No, 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 no let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, Roxy Woodfield, she'll, she'll have something to say about that when I show her what you did. Um, so, uh, yeah, but um, what was what was the day that you got in a real muddle with split so you completely miscalculated, didn't you? I can't <laughs> we did remember now. We? I can't remember what you were on about. Yes, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of, I can't remember how I like worked it through. Yeah. But you somehow I'd, thought like a 305 was a 125 per 100 or something like yeah, that, wasn't it? Yeah, something in my head, how I'd added it up. Yeah. It came to the right split, but it wasn't. And yeah. I ended up swimming it too fast. It was mad, mad, mad wasn't it? And but, of course, you know, yeah, we, we, we joke about it. It's quite funny. But of course, it's also part of your part, part of your challenge is, is these things are harder for you to work through. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously not getting frustrated with you is quite important. So we digressed but, a bit there. But I felt so. it was important for me to 
okay, use this as an opportunity for growth. Mm. And it, because it isn't in my comfort zone, it yeah. doesn't mean that it's not... Uh, like, uh, the default for a lot of people is, and this has come back to that neuroplasticity bit, is to say, well, I'm not like like physics. I'm not like... like my, my mind doesn't work that way. And yeah. that is like with yes. like yeah. numeracy and, and certain subjects. Pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and, and say, saying, I'm not good at this. Yeah, yeah. and that yeah. is going to be your default. And it's yeah. so easy for me to say because like maths is something that historically I've always had extra support with yeah um like when i was younger me and my my mum was trying to do like multiplication and addition yeah. subtraction with... and it's not because you're stupid you're clearly not you've got masters from oxford yeah exactly so. but i i am um, and like me and my sister were doing it so she's like but my sister she's a few years younger than me was getting the answers right quicker than i was yeah. and it's something that historically i just haven't been able to like picture in my head and yeah, i like, yeah. had maths tutoring when i was at school and but i've always tried to improve it and yeah. challenge myself to not just yeah. default saying well do you know what? Like numbers is just not yeah. my thing. It's so easy to like say that. Yeah. Um, and that's what was really important on the run was actually if I can focus on this, try yeah. and do understanding that helps me, but also helps me from like yeah. my professional side as well. It's too easy, isn't it, for us to reward ourselves for things that we do well that other people are impressed by. Yeah. And avoid challenging ourselves to do things that we find hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons why adults find learning to swim so difficult. Yeah. Because they don't, they, it's just too hard for them to be comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah. about how bad they are. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, they worry about other people. What they think they're going to look like, like tumbletons. When people learn tumbletons, yeah. it's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they get self conscious, yeah. don't want to hold other people up in the lane, yeah. what if I miss the wall, etc. Yeah. And so I think that, um, yeah, it's it's about that, isn't it? Is that is is you know um, being able to recognise that just doing things that other people find hard, well, and then everyone going, "Oh, you're amazing," and convincing yourself that that's outside your comfort zone. So yeah. in our case, training hard because other people it's outside other people's comfort zones. They're impressed. It would be no good if that was our journey. Because that's not going to provide personal growth. No. Because that's easy for us to do. We've, we're highly motivated to do it. We've got to find things that we're not good at and challenge ourselves so that we can grow into the higher functioning versions of ourselves. Because you talk about maths, so I'm like that with English language. I write quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I've had some very nice compliments from uh, people about how, how I write. Um, I'm not sure that they've <laughs> just been a bit nice to me, perhaps. But uh, and whenever I send a blog to my mum, to edit my mum would be like she'd be like yeah it's really good it's really really good I've um I've made a few amendments the amendments are in red but you, it was really good uh and then it'll come back 80% red <laughs> <laughs> so she's really written it but I I really struggled with English language at school really struggled with it struggled with languages um generally um I managed to work out a mathematical strategy for getting through my French <laughs> I got an A I did I worked out how many points you could get for memorizing certain phrases and paragraphs even if they weren't rele- necessarily entirely relevant to the question um but you got certain points and I worked out a point yeah. system and I worked out how many points I would need for an A <laughs> and I got an A <laughs> I was rubbish um uh, uh so but in English language I really found that difficult and so but I write a lot and one of the reasons I write a lot is because it helps me to learn about, mm. it helps me to improve that skill. Yeah. Um, and of course, writing helps me to do this. Exactly. Um, this is why we've done, like, started to do the podcast. Yeah, because it's hard. Like, for, for I like, to- yeah. Yeah, I, I like I'm improving my talking. 
but <laughs> and I'm good at I like talking no, you, you know shit yeah but um doing it in a way that's appropriate for the format yeah is not so easy to do no so but yeah you're right yeah and this is the thing it's like it's one of the reasons time, we did it isn't yeah it? exactly so I could improve it so I knew the importance of improving my communication mm. for when I have opportunities at press conferences etc to talk about what I do, yeah. I wanted to be able to make sure I was using that opportunity yeah. in the best way that I possibly could. It wasn't just about improving your, improving your ability to do it. It was about you learning to be comfortable with exactly. doing it as yeah. well, wasn't it? So yeah. Because you can't become comfortable with something unless you're uncomfortable first. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like one of the things that we've talked about, of course, particularly once you've got your autism diagnosis, was where you've obviously found things like press conferences and after race speeches really, really challenging for you. Yeah. You know, you spent the whole meal at Lanzarote Awards oh, sitting in silence, preparing yeah, yourself to yeah, to go and speak. Um, and of course your diagnosis has helped you liberate you a bit because you're less worried about being judged now, yeah. aren't you? Which is which is great. It is. Um but it doesn't mean that uh, I want to not yeah and we did talk about whether or not we would ask you to be exempt from certain things but we've decided or you've decided that's not going to be the pathway yeah because you want to use your opportunity to speak sometimes to demonstrate that that these things can be developed and to share more about your journey for people who might relate to you who will benefit from knowing about what you're doing exactly yeah which is really important so it's about yeah because in 20 years no one's going to give a shit how many races you won no Right. And no one's going to give a toss how many races I helped you win. Yeah. yeah? Um, but what they are going to care about is whether or not you did something that made a difference to them. Exactly. That's the really important thing. And if we can make an even bigger difference, not just to individuals, but to the world, even better. Yeah. yeah? So so what we want you guys to go away and think about, I guess, or what we're encouraging you to go away and think about is what does, your, what does being outside your comfort zone really mean? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does that really look like for you? Do you think that you're outside your comfort zone because you go out cycling in the cold? <laughs> or actually, is that really your comfort zone yes. when you think about it? Yeah. And sometimes doing things that you don't particularly like to do isn't just about the direct benefit they provide you with, but the wider benefit of an opportunity for growth. So if you don't like training on the turbo, training on the turbo and adopting training on the turbo might not be about it obviously there is some physiological benefit especially if you want to improve physiologically as an athlete but there's also some around you know can i learn to embrace it can i learn to love it and can i come out of my comfort zone initially so eventually it becomes my comfort zone because we hated doing that we've always liked indoor training but we certainly didn't like things like Swift and and, and turbo training that much did we no but we love it now it's brilliant don't we because we've worked out how to make it a great part of our journey and the growth and development that it gives us and the value it adds to others so it could be that you know it's all kinds of things that it could be and certainly in the triathlon world I see a lot of athletes and would you agree I hate to see if you agree with this Liz that think they're heroes because mm. the general population think they are. But actually, when you look at what they do, a lot of it is avoiding things they don't like doing yep. that they probably should do for athletic progression and personal development. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of self-sabotage. Yeah. We talked about that this morning yeah. a lot, haven't we, yeah. actually? You know, athletes just doing too much. Yeah. You know? 
Um, not too resting. much, too hard. Yeah, not eating enough, not resting and recovering enough, training too hard, training at shit times a day. You know, thinking, oh, look at me, look how how awesome I am. You know, one of my pet hates is when people put up a story on Instagram saying half past nine at night. Oh, I've you seen, know, I've seen later. Yeah, you know, just got the kids to work, still doing my treadmill set. Is the one where you like, get the half past nine or ten or eleven o'clock at night, and then the the next yeah. story is like five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I went for my swim. Yeah. I'm like, Really? I tell you what, if you were coached by me and you were doing that and I found out you were doing a training session at nine o'clock at night and then getting back up at five or six o'clock in the morning, a few things would happen. You wouldn't last very long or you'd be expected to change behaviour or you'd be expected to change the goals so yes. that you didn't have to adopt that behaviour because changing the goals is fine. But why have a goal that basically drags you into a state of self-sabotage, which is what happens all the time with endurance athletes and they think that it's kind of some sort of heroic behavior if you if you had a training schedule session session scheduled and one of as one of my athletes say for the evening and you did it at eight o'clock at night and expecting to then be back on a session at six o'clock the next morning i'd be furious like i would be expecting you to miss one of those sessions mm-hmm. and that would be the high functioning decision yep and if that then meant that you couldn't work to, if that happened regularly enough for you to struggle to work towards the goals you'd set high functioning is about changing the goal not about forcing a behavior that pushes you in self-sabotage because the world says you're amazing because you train at 11 o'clock at night and five o'clock in the morning that's shit isn't it oh yeah 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 i've dropped an f-bomb and an s-bomb today <laughs> So, and, I said, little ranty bit. And, I, and I said Christmas, and that's the C word. <laughs> so, a little ranty bit. A little yeah, ranty bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Billum, that's for you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, a few people like the rants, don't they? So, yeah. Um, okay, so that's what this is all about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, yeah, it's for you, you know, maybe possibly a slightly disproportionately and probably slightly. Very much on the cusp of being the wrong side of the line. I've really pushed you hard over the last four years to be out of your comfort zone, haven't I? Yeah. But the reality is, I wouldn't change it. Like in terms of the challenge I've yeah. had, because it's made me a far better person than I am today. And yeah. I'm, like I said earlier, like just happier and more content and fulfilled with what I'm doing. Happy is that the right no, word? I no, I saw what people say though, isn't <laughs> it? Like, I'll try we are not happy. I'll people, try smiling at some point, but it just really hurts my cheeks. Yeah, um, happy isn't. Lauren's happy. We're not happy people. No, are we? no. But I think the thing, the key thing for me is like, even with like any sort of like predispositions that I might have, which could be harder to enact that level of change outside your comfort zones. Yeah, it's shown that it's possible. Yeah. And actually, by doing it and making a choice, yeah. like like you said, it's been a four or five year journey yeah. of making that conscious choice to get to the point that I have where yeah. this week, things would have sent me into yeah. spiral mode yeah. and self-sabotage. I've been able to just like roll yeah. with. Um, but think, like the, the opportunity that it creates is huge. Yeah. And that's the thing that I keep looking at and getting excited about. If I'd have stayed in my comfort yeah. zone, like behaviorally, from the mindset, etc., then I would never be where yeah. I am today. Yeah. And loving it like I am. Yeah, absolutely. And we understand it's different for everybody. Yeah. And the pace at which people can, you know, adopt these strategies is different for everybody. But the important thing is that, you know, like you said, you take that ownership. At yeah. the end of the day, your 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 journey, your path, your destiny is, it's no one else's responsibility. No, it's not. No, you don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to feel fulfilled automatically just by existing. Nope. You earn the right for that. 
And you have to go out and earn the right to feel the way you want to feel. You can't just moan about the fact that you don't feel the way you want to feel um, and blame everybody else for it. Yeah. You know, I was in that place once. You know, my some of my childhood experiences were pretty shitty and I definitely went through a period. And one of the reasons I binned off having therapy, I'm not saying you should bin off having therapy. Don't, gosh, I don't want to go down that route. But one of the reasons I did is because it just kept encouraging me to be a victim mm. and not own it. Um, and blame everybody else for my lack of fulfillment, happiness, satisfaction, my the fact that I was lost on my journey through life. Um, and um, I realised that I had to earn the right to feel the way that I wanted to feel. And I could only do that by doing things that I found hard to do and taking responsibility. So there we go, guys. That's this week's yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we're talking about next week. I've had a little idea that I might want to do a Ooh. podcast, but I don't know if I'm the right person for this, for kids. Not, not regularly, just a one-off, that parents could play to their children um, about as a di- maybe a different way of perceiving the opportunities in their journey in sport. I like that. Yeah, I thought it was a good All idea. All I've got in my head is now you singing like sport versions of the wheels on the bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> car. I don't even know if I know all the words to that. Uh, but, yeah, um, that's really cool. But uh, we might do something like that. It might be shorter because I don't think kids are going to listen for an hour, are they? Probably. Possibly not. Um, so you would have done. Yeah, I would <laughs> I might have done, but most kids probably won't. Uh, but we thought we might do something like that. And we've got a few other topics that we want to cover Go off through. and discuss, haven't we? Yeah. So so you, if you can like, subscribe and share, I think it's supposed to, I don't know what order that's supposed to come in. Like, share, subscribe. Because as I've always said, this is about reaching more people, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We want more people to know about what we're doing so that people have the opportunity to choose to work with us if it's going to help them. Because we know that what we do is a bit different from what most people are doing. We're very much on a journey around personal growth and self-development. Triathlon is simply, or sport, is simply the tool that we, one of the tools that we use to help us work towards that. Um, You know, we're not really, you know, in the business of just triathlon coaching for performance. It's much, much bigger and much deeper than that. We're looking to evolve that. But we want people to know because one of the hardest things for us is to get that message out there and for people to understand that we're different yes. and that we do things differently. So we need your help to do that. So if you could get that out there, that'd be really beneficial to us um, because so far it's we haven't had a situation where somebody has started working with us and you know not benefited or felt that it was really op- a really great opportunity for them. Some people have decided they weren't ready for it, but we've never been in a situation where people have said, actually, you know what, this is nonsense. I don't want to do it. So. Let's make people aware of it because we think it can really help. Not narcissists and sociopaths. No, they can bugger off. <laughs> We're never going to help them. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Actually, maybe we can. Um, probably someone will correct me on that. Uh, I, probably, I, probably fell, I probably fell into one of those categories a few say, years ago. So. But um, yeah, let's let's try and find some of those people. And um, you can help us do that by, by, by sharing what we do. Um, what we talk about and if there's anything if you're not involved with us at the moment get in touch there's lots of different ways that we can support and help you yeah, beyond our full coaching uh, packages and, and products and services and we'd like to be able to support you if we can uh, because the more people that we can help the the more we enjoy what we do exactly yeah okay thanks very much guys um, we will speak to you in a few days time enjoy the rest of whatever Christmas Starting holidays you might yeah or whatever Christmas holidays you might still have left. Yay. And enjoy the rain. It's just not stopping. <laughs> it's not. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.